friends, thanks for being here with me at the local table. I'm Carrie Dirksen, the boss behind Feathered Arrow, a wedding planning and design company based in sunny Los Angeles, California. But don't be fooled, because I'm also a lifestyle photographer, and now, your podcast host. I've been building a business for over five years, and two things that I've learned more than anything is that community is powerful, and that stories truly matter. We all have a story to tell, wisdom to share, and advice to give. And what better way to learn than by sitting around a table with a drink in one hand and community right next to you. So join me on this adventure as I share about life, business insights, advice, and share people's stories of triumphs and failures. So pull up a chair, friend, and grab a drink as we dive into this week's episode of The Local Table. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Local Table podcast. Today, we have with us Fran Gallagher. She is an intuitive life coach and the founder of Really Flourish LLC, as well as the creator of Trust Your Gut, Intuition for Decisions That Matter. Fran combines an intuitive reading where she reads a client's energy, picking up information from their souls, and guides and coaches clients to new levels of success, healing, and well-being. As a result of working with Fran, clients regain focus, reconnect with their more authentic selves, and develop strategies for maintaining focus and connection to creativity, meaning, and soul purpose. Fran began her coaching career as adjunct faculty for the program in intuition, the Kaiser Institute, for eight years and has spoken and presented for a variety of groups and businesses, including the Tennessee Hospital Association, Visient Inc., formerly VHA, the Mayo Clinic, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, Banner Health, Innovative Connections, Inc., and other leaders in healthcare. I hope you enjoy today's episode as we dive into trusting your gut and trusting your intuition. Well, hi, Fran. Welcome to uh, the Local Table podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. Um, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do and what your brand mission is. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me on the Local Table. Uh, so my name is Fran Gallagher. I'm an intuitive life coach, and it took me a long time to decide on that title. I'm an intuitive and a lot of people don't know what that really means. And I'm a coach, but I use my intuition. So my joke is that coaches are supposed to ask a lot of questions, which I often do, but then I also provide a lot of the answers because of my intuition. Mm -hmm. So because I don't always let my clients answer we could say that I'm a very poor coach. <laughs> uh, so it took me many years to land on this. When I was a child, I saw non-physical beings. There was a knight in armor who stood outside my bedroom. And I was very quiet. I was very shy. And I was must have been early on discouraged from asking questions because I didn't ask why was there a knight in armor standing outside my bedroom. And I also knew that other people didn't see him. And I was afraid of him. I always ran past him as fast as I could. Yeah. So the world was kind of puzzling to me because I would just decide on the way things were 
because I couldn't ask questions. I couldn't get feedback. But the good thing was that it preserved my view of the world. It preserved my intuition. Now, on the other hand, my dad did ask me questions because he thought I had an active imagination. Yeah. And uh, I could see into worlds. I saw into this, the life of this one boy. I didn't know what any of that meant. And I actually grew up thinking I was stupid because I didn't have a word for intuition. Yeah. It wasn't until I was older that I was able to accept what intuition might be, that it was actually a gift, and work my way backward to rehabilitate that intuitive ability. Uh, I don't have the ability to see into worlds that I once had. I don't have the mm. ability to see with my physical eyes the way that I did as a child, but I do have what's called inner sight. Somewhere along the line, I became a technical writer, and I wrote uh, user's guides for hardware and software, which most people think is nuts, <laughs> given that I'm an intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then in between, I was a contractor, and in between contracts, I would work as an intuitive and give readings. Then I was part of a group that created the program in intuition from the Kaiser Institute. And I was a faculty member for them for eight years and they made me a coach. And I loved being a coach because as a, an intuitive reader, some people would call me a psychic, but I learned not to use that term because it's a little too uh, heavily laden with okay. prejudice at this point. Right. Uh, but I discovered that I wasn't in the position anymore of just saying to somebody, if you don't take time off, you're going to have a car accident. I could actually talk to them about why they weren't taking time off and coach them into taking time off. And my work as now what I call an intuitive life coach began. Mm -hmm. So I love my work. I love working with clients. Uh, I use my intuition to look at, and I use the word look because I'm highly visual and I look at probable futures. Mm -hmm. uh, so do we all, right? If you see a teenager get into a car and they just started driving and they get into a car with a bunch of friends and a bottle of Jack Daniels, it doesn't take an intuitive <laughs> to uh, realize no, a probable gone. future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was a long way around the barn, but that's how I got to uh, what I do now. Yeah. So a lot of different, I'd say to people, a lot of different lives, I guess, lived before different work that we've done. And, you know, sometimes they don't coincide at all, but it's, it's interesting because it always gets people to where they, they want to be. When, so when did you kind of um, feel like you were actually able to label this gift that you have, you know, because you said as a child, you weren't really sure what to call it. So was it when you got to college or, you know, when you just got older, how did you kind of learn what you had as more of a gift and that you could actually use it to help people? Well, I was lucky because at age 13, I began to have conversations with my friend's mother and she ended up mentoring me. She was an extraordinary woman and she recognized my gifts uh, there was a girl in the neighborhood who had an accident. She fell down the stairs and she was permanently 
damaged from the head injury. Mm-hmm. And Mary had me look into what happened. And I was able to discover what happened. Who knows if I was accurate, but it seemed accurate at the time. And it scared me, actually. I didn't want to do it. I remember feeling almost like I went into a trance Mm -hmm. going into the accident. And Mary, she gave me information. She had me read certain books. I remember one of them was called The Search for the Girl with the Blue Eyes, which is Mm. about reincarnation. Uh, I refused to really buy into what Mary was showing me. Yeah. But by the time I was in my 20s, I was able to realize that she had taught me some things and I was able to pick up where she had left off. And that's when I learned about Uh, the word intuition, as well as psychic ability, extrasensory perception was a term that was used a lot in the 70s. And I was, by that point in my life, in my 20s, I was bereft. My life hadn't turned out the way I wanted it to. I had wanted to go to medical school. Mm. And uh, instead, I got pregnant and got married and ended up starting a family. And in trying to heal myself, I started embracing my intuitive self and the those aspects of my life. And I found a spiritual path, not a religious one, mm-hmm. uh, but I began all kinds of spiritual study. I ended up studying with healers. I still have a spiritual teacher. And I believe that when we resuscitate our empathic selves, our intuitive selves, we actually heal ourselves and make ourselves whole. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So how long have you had your business and how long have you been coaching clients? Well, first of all, I'm really bad at time because my, <laughs> my excuse is that as an intuitive, I'm, I step outside of time to look at past, mm-hmm. present, and future. But I think I've had this version of my business since about uh, 1999. Okay. And, uh, but I was giving intuitive readings for many years before that. So I've been doing one version or another of this for golly, I don't know, 30 years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're a, a seasoned entrepreneur. <laughs> well, yeah, this, I, I'm only learning business skills now. I mm-hmm. it might be seasoned in terms of delivering to my clients, but I wasn't very good at business skills. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know one of the things you had wanted to talk about is what is the most important business skill? I'd say there are a couple and one of them is how do you handle finances? Mm. Uh, How do you keep up with bookkeeping and accounting tasks? And then another is um, perhaps the biggest one of all is marketing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for me, I would say bookkeeping has really been something that I've have not enjoyed. And I know that's the thing that keeps a business going. Right. Um, I've never been a numbers person and obviously I know my numbers and stuff, but I, I finally outsourced that a couple of years ago where I hired a bookkeeper, um, and then, you know, someone to do my taxes and everything. And I still have a lot to learn in terms of, 
um, you know, really allocating for me, I'm, I'm a smaller business. So I need to learn how to allocate certain budgets for like how much I spend on marketing and whatnot. Cause sometimes I just take opportunities as I come or like, if it looks good, if I have the money at the time to do it. And I know not every business can run that way. Um, it's a little bit easier when you are a small business and can kind of reallocate your funds. But I think outsourcing to have a bookkeeper and someone who is keeping track of everything and on top of it was just something so helpful for me. And outsourcing has always been something that has felt kind of scary, right? Because you were like, oh, we have to hire someone to pay someone and we don't know if we can afford to do that. But I feel like it's actually given me time back to work on other things and be able to, to outsource that aspect of it. I mean, marketing for me, um, I've learned over the years has very much been like a referral business, which I'm sure you probably have like word of mouth referrals, um, is always the best. And that's kind of what's been, I would say the majority of how I get my business. But over the years I've really honed in on, you know, social media and email marketing and, and PR stuff. So it's kind of a, a combination of those things. And, um, for me being in the wedding industry, I really utilize Pinterest and, you know, more now organic searching on Google and, and blogging and stuff like that. So it really kind of drives organic traffic as well. But yeah, it's a combination and it's always pivoting, especially during this time right now in quarantine. It's like people aren't booking, but they're still like looking, you know, at things online and looking about, you know, for ideas and inspiration for their dream wedding. So it's still producing content for people, even if that's for free, hoping that, you know, they'll turn into a customer down the road. Yeah. Do you have any marketing tactics that work for you or do you feel like for you, it's mostly uh, word of mouth referrals and how you get your clients? Well, because I wasn't doing any marketing before and not much to speak of, it was word of mouth, but I don't think that business in what I do works the way it once did. Mm -hmm. I think it was much easier for me to grow a business when I was an intuitive, but I often quit uh, mm -hmm. because I'd get these loyal customers and they would be really, really dependent upon me. They wouldn't want to make a decision without me mm. because I'm an intuitive. And I found it overwhelming. Yeah. So I think if I had kept going, I would have a stronger business now, but it was my journey. And, uh, I wasn't able to, so there's a, there's a Russian folk tale. It's about Vasilisa mm -hmm. and Vasilisa, she has a little doll in her pocket that tells her what to do. And I felt like I was Vasilisa's doll <laughs> Yeah. and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. So becoming a coach was the, a gigantic relief for me, but over the years, what I've seen is, as I said, I've seen the business change. And I think now there's, there are a lot more people who do what I do in one form or another. Mm -hmm. I think when I first started, it was really unusual for someone to be in the field that I was in. Yeah. Uh, I remember my first office it was part of a co-op. And one of the women, I would chat with her now and then. And one day she said, um, you know, I just am so amazed by you. And I told my husband about you. And I said, she doesn't dress like a kook. She doesn't act like a kook. And she doesn't 
talk like a kook. And uh, it was like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's not really a compliment, but. <laughs> so I, I, what I have learned is that positioning myself more as an intuitive also encourages other people to consider their own intuition. Yeah. And the marketing that I'm doing now is about that. So I am on Facebook uh, I do a Facebook Live Monday mornings, 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., and it's called the Intuition Check-In. And I talk about ways that listeners can check in with their own intuition. Mm -hmm. Then I have developed a signature course called Trust Your Gut, Intuition for Decisions That Matter. And my latest marketing effort is that I'm launching a mini course, and I didn't make sure I had the dates, but I'm launching a mini course uh, at the end of this month. Month. Yeah, I think it, this is a great transition to go into. Um, I know you wanted to kind of teach a little portion of that for the listeners. And I do think, like you were saying, I, I understand, you know, it's for those clients you were um, coaching, you know, it's like you can't, you kind of have to empower them, right? To also make their own decisions. Like I, you know, you didn't want to be in their pocket 24 seven because then it makes them dependent on you. Um, but yeah, we want to, you know, empower people I'm sure is the best thing for them to trust themselves. And so, yeah, I'd love for you to share more about um, your mini course and, you know, feel free to kind of take it away of what you would like to share and teach with the audience. So the Trust Your Gut mini course launches Thursday, July 30th. It's from 10 to 10.30 a.m. And it goes for three days, Thursday, Friday, and ends Saturday, July 1st. It's just 30 minutes, but I'm going to be teaching some skills beginning with, well, the first course is called WTF is Intuition and Why Should I Care? Mm -hmm. And it's just about how you have a whole aspect of how your brain works that's called intuition. And if you don't use it, you're neglecting an enormous way that your brain already works. So the first part of the course is about rediscovering your intuition. And logic and intuition are two of the ways that your brain works. Mm -hmm. So logic you use when you drive away from your house and you go over in your head, okay, I've got my laptop, I've got my calendar, I've got my phone. Intuition is when you drive away from your house and you say, oh, I forgot my phone. Mm. It's that aha moment. So intuition is a single realization, a single insight. It can be large or it can be small, mm. but it is uh, complete in and of itself. Whereas logic is linear and sequential. It's step by step. Again, you drive away from your house. I turned the lights off. I made sure the dog was in the house. I got my phone. That's step by step logic. Right. So we were all raised and conditioned in schooling to 
use logic and logic is really useful if you know someone who is not logical at all you know it's very difficult to talk with them <laughs> right <laughs> or, or figure out what is the problem or what exactly. to do about it uh, but the same is true if you talk with somebody who isn't intuitive at all we forget that intuition is a powerful powerful tool so the number one block to intuition which you will learn in both my mini course and my main course is that we expect intuition to act like logic mm. in other words we expect it to be rational if we're walking down the street and we suddenly get the feeling that we ought to walk on the other side of the street there's no rational reason for that mm -hmm. it's an intuition it's a sudden insight but i would challenge you to find out what happens if you don't walk to the other side of the street. Mm. And I would encourage you to walk to the other side of the street. The problem with intuition, we could say, is that we don't always see the net result of using it. I was going to say, does it get confusing sometimes for clients who, you know, maybe they deal with anxiety or, you know, very stressed and sometimes situations are exacerbate it more than they actually are in their mind, you know? And so I, I think, how do you kind of help clients figure out to just trust that intuition or that a, a scenario may not be what it, what it is, or, you know, it's, you're making it larger than what is actually happening. Yeah, that's a very good point. So one of the things, again, that I teach in the mini course is we literally displace our energy we get up in our head and we abandon our bodies. It can get so bad that we leave our bodies. So psycho psychologists call that dissociation. Mm -hmm. They say that it is an illusion. My experience is that it's real. We actually can, as the saying goes, uh, get scared out of our skin or get so upset we are beside ourselves. Hmm. These phrases actually describe what is going on. And when we climb up in our head and analyze everything from an intellectual point of view, we are abandoning the information that can come from our gut, from our heart, from the rest of our body. So the example I use is how useful is it for you to be really up in your head when you have sex? Mm-hmm not very not, useful yeah, at all. Right. And we climb up in our heads to make a decision. Well, and we can go around and around with the intellectual analysis of something. But if we get down into our bodies, we actually have something physical and tangible to work with. It also is going to keep us out of that anxiety zone. Hmm. So I jokingly say that my head is a very bad neighborhood. And if I spend <laughs> too much time in my head, yeah. I, I'm going to have a problem. So the first, so I teach intuition using three questions in the Trust Your Gut program. Okay. And I'll share the first question which, with you, which is, what do I have energy for? So mm -hmm. if you are trying to make a decision, you can drop down into your body and notice if you have energy to do it or not. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to your bookkeeping decision. Mm -hmm. You probably did not have energy for doing bookkeeping. You probably dragged yourself <laughs> to do it. Right. And 
you could notice that you didn't have energy for it. You can use that to inform yourself. You still have to do the bookkeeping, but over time, then that experience informed your decision to outsource the bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something I didn't enjoy. And for me, I, like I had mentioned, it was taking away time from being productive or you know, doing the things in my business that I was good at doing instead of hiring that out. Uh-huh. So if we go back to this displacement of energy, a lot of bookkeepers are going to be more grounded. Now they might be too grounded and their energy may tend to stay down. You are a creative. Mm -hmm. Your energy tends to go up. So if we think of it from the point of view of chakras, so stay with me, podcast audience, because... uh, (laughs) This is all fascinating for me. So I'm, I'm here. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, oh, good. So the first three chakras are all about just survival. The first one is just being grounded and being present in a physical body. The second one is about physical creativity. Mm-hmm. So sexual creativity, it's called the sacral chakra. It's on the inside of the sacrum, that shield-shaped bone above your tail and below your waist at the back. Then the third one is will. It's at the, the solar plexus. So the solar plexus is, it's an area like a sun. Early anatomists saw it as nerves going out from a central spot like the sun. Mm-hmm. And it is defined at the top by the bottom of the sternum, that bone that is uh, just below your throat, in between your um, breasts. And um, the solar plexus is then also defined at the bottom by your navel, and then on the sides by your floating ribs. And this area in the middle of it is the third chakra. It's also the center for will. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But those first three chakras are all about just showing up in the world and navigating in order to survive. The upper chakras, the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the seventh chakra at the top of the head, the crown chakra it's called, uh, those chakras are really about more emotional, psychological, and spiritual development. So if you develop the bottom three chakras, you're going to be a little bit more of a primitive survival-based being. Okay. So some people come here with those three chakras working really well, and it's a big effort for them to grow upward into the more relational, emotional, Mm -hmm. psychological, spiritual chakras. Other people like you, Carrie, (laughs) you came in as a little bit more of a seasoned soul around spirituality. Mm -hmm. So you handle the upper chakras that give you your creative, your spiritual, your inspired aspects of yourself. And you've had to grow down into the more practical ones. Yeah, for sure. A (laughs) hundred percent. So you have to hire somebody who's got the bottom three chakras a little better developed. Yeah. (laughs) And they probably benefit from being around you because they may not have grown up into their upper chakras. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that all bookkeepers aren't spiritual because I know a few who are. 
but it's just that the goal is for all of us to grow both directions. Mm, mm-hmm. So I was talking about displaced energy. Sometimes it's displaced to one side. Sometimes it's displaced upward. And by the way, we can, we can have memories of a traumatic event where our memory is actually as if we were up above. That's because our energy was up above. Mm, and I mm-hmm. challenge psychotherapists who say that that's not the case. I'm yeah. not a therapist, by the yeah. way. Yeah. So, uh, but also some people are going to hunker down. Their energy is going to be more in the lower parts of their body. And if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who is like that, they don't seem to have much imagination. Mm, mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, I remember uh, being in a relationship and saying, I was wearing a dress and I had on knee socks. This was a long time ago. <laughs> to this person, yeah. uh, what, what do you think of the dress? Just forget that I'm wearing knee socks. Right. And they, looked down at me and they said, it really looks bad with those knee socks. You know, it's like I couldn't get them to see what I was talking right. about. To not look at the knee socks. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you've ever been with somebody and you say, okay, picture this backyard with a swimming pool, but it doesn't have a swimming pool. Right. <laughs> they just can't. Yeah. It's like the lack of that imagination there. Yes. So back to the solar plexus region, when we have trouble with the will, when we're doing a lot of efforting, we can actually have a physical check to see if that's true. And we can gently palpate the solar plexus region. And if we're in a period of our lives where we're having trouble with our will, either being stubborn or willful, or maybe we're feeling like we can't muster the will, uh, it will be tender. So you can just palpate. And notice yeah. if you, you can diagnose your will yeah. <laughs> from a physical standpoint. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So, and remind me again, what was the first question that you said that you ask in the course? What do I have energy for? What do I have energy for? That's, yeah, I really love that because... I think when we are making those business decisions, you know, we're, we're just thinking, what do I not want to do anymore? And it kind of becomes this anxiety provoking, like, should I outsource what, you know, and we often forget to, you know, look inwards and ask ourselves about that energy. And I never really thought about that question for myself of, oh, I don't have the energy for this. I just was trying to rationalize spending the money and, you know, outsourcing it. But really, now that you mentioned that and thinking back on that, it was because I just, I didn't have the energy to do that. And then that was making me drag my feet in so many other areas of my business because that was weighing me down. This is a great example. Thank you for giving it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it was Rajneesh, a guru. Somebody said, I think you would like to read these books. And they had the, this stack of these books and they went to hand them to me and my arms just felt all of a sudden went weak. I couldn't pick up the books. Mm-hmm. I didn't have energy for reading those books or learning anything from that particular guru. So I've used it in terms of, do I have energy to go out tonight? Mm-hmm. Do I have energy to do this or that? Like uh, somebody, one of my clients today asked me a question 
about, we were talking about a decision they're trying to make. And I went to check it out in my own intuitive sense. And I had no interest in it. I had no energy in the question. Mm-hmm. And that tells me that the question is the wrong question. Mm. It's, yeah. it, it's like, it's so interesting because another way that shows up is if somebody asks me about a so-called problem, if I have that experience where I don't have any energy to even look into the so-called problem, it's because the problem doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's not the problem. But people think it is. So it's getting them to see outside of what that, what they think the problem is. Right. And it's usually because we're up in our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our heads are really interesting places. And if you are intelligent, then you really have a draw to your head because you think that you can figure everything out. Mm-hmm. But we can get misplaced notions in our heads also. A long time ago, I had a client come to me and she had recently started her own skincare line. Mm-hmm. And she had launched it. And then she developed this problem and she came to me and she said, she gave me permission to tell this story long time ago, (laughs) Uh, but I won't identify her. But she came to me and said, "Uh, I have a problem. She had heard me speak and she said, you're the only person I think I can tell this problem to. And her problem was that she thought she was wet all the time. Ever since she had lost this, launched the skincare line, she thought, she was wet. She thought her clothes she was wearing were wet. And she thought her clothes in the closet were wet. And she didn't want to tell anybody because she knew that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I worked with her on it. And what I discovered was that she either had a past life where she had been called a witch, or she had the archetypal understanding that humans do that. And she thought because she had launched her own skincare line and she had used herbs with it, that she, in her mind, she was labeling herself as a witch. And so she was making herself wet so she couldn't be burned at the stake because she had been burned at the stake in the past. Mm -hmm. And when we unraveled that, she literally, in her mind, dried off in my office. That's crazy. Wow. It is crazy, but that's because we're crazy. We're right. all crazy. The, the, the handling a brain is a job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you want to share any other parts of the course the first, without giving, obviously, the whole course away? <laughs> the first... Um, day of the mini course is spent just understanding how our conditioning has blocked us from using our intuition, that we have instead developed our logic. And we're going to learn a focusing exercise to help feel and experience the difference between the closed focus that we learned in school and logic and open focus Mm. and intuition. The second day of the course is about how we are using our energy, whether we're climbing up into our heads, whether we're displacing our energy. Uh, A lot of creative people are actually very, very sensitive. They're highly empathic Mm -hmm. and they have learned to leave 
their bodies in one form or another when the going gets rough. Another way to say this is that they tend to be ungrounded and they tend to get flighty and scattered. So how do you learn to get more grounded? How do you learn what the symptoms are if you're not grounded? And I'm still working on the third day, so you'll have to excuse me. No, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, know for myself, I'm a very empathic person. And so I think even in this time of uh, quarantine and, you know, this pandemic, it has really made me try to ground myself during this time and really find, you know, like this isn't my fault. And, you know, when you're running a business, it can feel like, you know, you're very scattered and don't know what to do and all over the place for sure. Right. And, you know, what I have had to realize is that we experience some shocks to our system that get us so ungrounded that we become very vulnerable to more shocks to our system. Mm -hmm. I was going through a divorce and I was literally in shock. I had some revelations that were really upsetting to me. And at the time we lived next door to a vet who was breeding German short-haired pointers. Mm-hmm. And he had a female that was extremely vicious that would go nuts when we went into our kitchen because we had a big glassed in area okay. of our house and the dog could see us. So the one time the dog comes out is when I'm literally shocked or in shock. It was summer, it was hot, and my teeth were chattering. I was really not in good shape. The dog got out and it attacked my car. Oh, wow. And I actually am not afraid of dogs. Normally, I can be rather dominating with dogs. Mm -hmm. And this dog was attacking the door of my car. And I had to open the garage door, drive in really fast, and close the garage door. And luckily, the dog stayed outside of the garage. Mm -hmm. And this was because I was so ungrounded. I was so beside myself that I was vulnerable. Yeah. So we have to go into repair when we're in one of those states. Mm -hmm. We have to be really careful because it's like the only time a big man ever slapped me on the back was when I had a terrible sunburn. I'm not a big person. I don't think big men should be slapping smaller people Mm -hmm. on the back. And the only time it ever happened, as I said, was when I had a really bad sunburn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Damage to us makes us vulnerable. And the world is a different place when we're vulnerable. We need to get grounded. And sometimes we need some quiet and some space to do that. Yeah. So what do you recommend for people to, when they are kind of in that state of being beside themselves, what's the quickest way for people to sort of trust their own intuition and ground themselves again? Well, that's kind of like two different aspects trusting your own intuition might be to get the hell out of there okay (laughs) Uh, the second thing is to just get quiet and notice what your experience is so when we talk about going within if someone doesn't have any experience going within they don't know what the hell that means and it just sounds like gobbledygook to them Mm -hmm. so what i teach is that the ego is all about three questions who am i what do i want and how am i going to get it So that's sort of like the first three chakras. The first chakra, who am I? The second one, what do I want? What do I desire? The third is the will. How am I going to get it? 
-hmm. And the spiritual experience begins when we ask the question, what is my experience? That takes us inward. And so just noticing that you're rattled instead of charging ahead would be the first thing to do. The second thing is to use your breathing, notice your breathing and do some deep breaths. And the third thing would be to draw up on your pelvic floor and in on your low belly, and that will ground you and center you. Mm. You just did it. Did you feel it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's so helpful. When I work with executives or people in corporate settings, I have everyone stand around and slouch. I have them just be relaxed and slouch. And then I have them lift up on the pelvic floor, in on the low belly, and everyone becomes a force to be reckoned with. So I teach business people to do that when they're going into a meeting. Athletes already do it. If you watch an Olympic diver, for instance, they go out on the diving board, they stand there, and they get grounded and centered before yeah, they die. They do. Yeah, that's you what we need the to way do. They're breathing and uh-huh. the concentration. Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. Um, well, thank you so much for teaching on that and, and sharing that. I think that's wonderful and, and helpful for people who need to kind of recenter themselves. Um, what would you say, uh, you know, is one thing for people to kind of take away from this on more of like a simplified level of being able to trust their intuition and, and kind of maybe like, I don't know if there's a daily practice that you work on to kind of just really trust yourself. I know there's a lot more to it than that, I'm sure. But is there even a small step that people can kind of take to really start to trust, you know, who they are and their, their intuition? Well, I think having the experience of that deeper sense of themselves is a place to start. And simply getting quiet for even one minute, Mm -hmm. drawing up on the pelvic floor, in on the low belly, doing some breathing, just taking a moment for yourself. Because in the cacophony that can be in our heads, it's hard to distinguish the voice of intuition. Right. But if we drop down into our bodies, there can be some truth there. There can be a feeling of what, again, what we have energy for. Energy for. Uh, I love the question, what do I have energy for? It's one I use all the time. Yeah. I feel like that's a perfect, you know, daily practice to start implementing is just in any decision, you know, whether it's small or, or big, I think, you know, asking yourself if you have that energy for it. Yes. And then I do want to say that the mini course, uh, it's free. It's available Uh to everyone. And there will be some free gifts if you stick around for the last day. It's just 30 minutes on those three days. I'll be offering it again in July. And then Trust Your Gut itself starts August 10th. It will be Monday evenings. And uh, you can get more information on my website, reallyflourish.com. Perfect. Awesome. And then Fran, are you also on Instagram or any social media as well? Uh, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Friday I'm taking a training on Instagram because I have ignored Instagram, (laughs) but uh, I need to get on there. And I do see private clients, just so you know, I work with groups. I love 
doing leadership development in businesses. And I would be Vasilisa's doll in a business <laughs> setting if yeah. you wanted me in on your business decisions. I yeah. think that's very exciting. That's helpful. Great. And where, what are you under, what's the business under on Facebook that people can find you? Because I know you said you do a live on Mondays. Was that correct? Yeah. That one I'm doing on my personal page. Usually okay. it's Fran Gallagher. Okay. And then I have other offerings on Fran Gallagher Intuitive Life Coach Really Flourish LLC. It's a handful Perfect. Uh, on Facebook. Great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciated, you know, having this conversation and learning more about ourselves and our intuition and how people can start to utilize that and, and really trust, trust their gut, trust themselves to make big decisions. And I, I hope this is helpful for everyone listening and um, we can all start to trust our intuition a little bit more and, and hopefully that'll help us all flourish. That's wonderful, Carrie. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, may I add one more thing? Sure. I feel like my intuition gives me a kind of superpower like x-ray vision. Mm -hmm. And I feel like life can be simpler when we understand the depths, when we understand a little bit more about what is going on. So just like the client who thought she was going crazy that she was wet, there was a reason her mind was doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think there are reasons that are just a little bit below the surface that can be available to us as we develop our intuition. And I think availing ourselves of spiritual teachers, coaches, people who do see at depth and developing our own ability to see at depth, it makes an enormous difference in our lives. Yeah. For sure. Well, I will be sure to share all those links and the courses so people can, can tune in and, you know, get on, um, learning more about that and really lean into, uh, learning from an expert as well. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. And then, uh, Fran, so I always ask people kind of at the end, since it's called the local table, I always like to ask if you would like to share uh, a local spot in Denver that you love to frequent, whether it's a restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever it may be, um, just to share with our listeners, if anyone else in Denver is listening. Sure. Well, a place that I love is called Wildflowers. It's a plant and gift shop, and they have miniatures. I'm doing a free class on Facebook. Uh, well, it's going to be on Zoom, and you'll see it on Facebook, creating an altar garden. And you can get miniatures at Wildflowers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just love the stuff that they have. Yeah. And then a favorite restaurant is Potager. Okay. And I believe that they are offering takeout. And uh, I just went to Waffle Brothers okay. on Saturday in yeah. Denver. And that was really fun. Yeah. Perfect. Well, sounds like some good places. I'll have to check them out when I'm in Denver next time. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Fran. Thank you. And that's today's episode of The Local Table. 
Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm truly grateful that you're tuning in. About a year ago, this was just a dream of mine. And now it's so exciting to be here interviewing other people, sharing their stories, and just delivering really great content. I hope you walk away feeling inspired or maybe you gained a new perspective or you learned a thing or two. It would honestly mean the world to me if you would be so kind and leave us a positive review if you enjoyed today's show. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, and we'll see you next time on The Local Table.